0: listener production.
1: Okay, are you recording? Are you recording? recording?
0: Howdy team, you are listening to episode nine of the Howie Games Artist Series Part A, featuring one of the coolest cats getting around, singer, songwriter, Pete Murray. Now Pete's story, it's not your typical musician's tale. Pete did not pick up a guitar for the first time Until his early 20s What about that? Gives hope to us all Since then, he has been a star of the Aussie music scene A string of massive hits From So Beautiful to Better Days Always a Winner, An Opportunity Three of his albums have gone to number one in Australia His latest song, you need to check it out It's called Hold Me Steady Hold Me Steady It is a cracker, it's a really upbeat, positive tune It's off his EP The Night As Molly Meldrum would say Do yourself a favour Now, before Pete picked up a guitar for the first time, he wanted to be an athlete. Rugby, athletics, those were Pete's dreams, which makes him spot on for the artist series. Check this out. Pete Murray plays the guitar, sings, drives a combi and surs. Just about the ultimate in life, I reckon. Come on, who would not want to be able to tick all those boxes? A cast iron guarantee from me to you. If you don't already love Pete Murray before listening to this episode, I reckon you will by the end. Enjoy the story of a man who figured out what he wanted out of life and has set about achieving just that. Pete Murray. Welcome to the Howie Games Artist Series, a man that has dominated the Australian music charts for the last 15 years. He's got new music out, new music coming, and he is a man that's played a lot of sport in his time as well. So he's perfect for this show. Pete Murray, welcome to the Howie Games Artist Series.
1: How are you, mate? I'm good, how Howie. How are you, mate? Good?
0: Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, you're in Byron. I immediately asked you for a surf check, but you've still got a crook elbow from SAS.
1: I do, I do. Uh, you know what? I gotta, I'm going <laughs> to show you the x-ray that, that, that didn't get... Oh. Um, Seen on the on the on the show, so Go that on. you can have Give a look at this. Look.
0: So it was you and Mark Philippoussis, a man that's been on this show in the house of Stash. You were going
1: toe to toe. Oh, Pete, oh no! So it's supposed to look like that. It doesn't look anything like that, no. does it? So yeah, it just was a it was an awkward fall, and uh, oh. that's what happened. So it popped right out. So and, what um, what
0: happened? My family, massive Shah fans. My my two young ones, nine and eleven, they love it. Yeah. And I was at work, and they said, "Oh, Pete, the singer guy, he got in a in a blue with Mark Philippousis because they know him because he's been on the yeah. show, and then he had to leave." So so what happened?
1: Uh, look, you know what we um we just went for it. It was um uh, well I guess like I just look, we both not, uh, aren't boxes, you know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> but no. But I thought what the show wants us to do is just go for it. And um, so I just kind of went for Mark and, and he sort of came at me and we just got – we had a great tussle and it was uh, – we they cut a lot of things out. Uh, right. we, had a, we had a good punch-up the first round and we really got stuck into it and, uh, and we both kind of got tangled up and fell. It's just – it's basically the, the DS are like, this is not about boxing. This is just – it's called milling. So they want to see you just get in there and go for it. Have no fear. Um, show aggression. And also at the same time you get you get to see how that you handle getting getting hit, yeah, um I've done a little bit of boxing before you know gym stuff, nothing too serious, but enough to know that you know like the gloves are quite soft, it wasn't hurting to get hit at all but um so the first round we had with with mark was was uh was pretty pretty tight and pretty pretty um full on, and the second round I really um I noticed how tall he is and how long his reach is. Yeah. So, you know, he's just got this extra probably this much <laughs> longer <laughs> than me on the arms. And I've, I was struggling to get into, in close to him. I, I got a few shots on him. Uh, but sort of towards the end there, he got a couple of men. I, I stumbled back and I, only that I watched the show um, just recently that I, I, I realised there was a little bit of a, he sort of hit me in the elbow and but, it gave me a little bit of a shove too, the dirty, dirty bugger.
0: <laughs> that sounds like Scud. In the middle of a
1: savage fight, number five, Pete Murray... Has fallen hard. Elbow, elbow, out joint. And dislocated his elbow.
0: What's happened is you popped left elbow out of joint, okay? Yep. So mate. Can you
1: get it back in? No. You're gonna need to go up to hospital. You're gonna need x-rays.
0: Yeah. Do you reckon you can walk with me? Yeah, yep, let's right.
1: go. Yeah, and I um so mate, I just I fell it wasn't his fault. I fell back and I just um I probably should have just fallen back on my back. But I sort of uh, twisted and put my, my left arm back to brace my fall and um, next minute this just popped out and yeah, nothing I could really do.
0: Given the seriousness of his injury, Pete Murray has no option but to be medically withdrawn from the course. Oh. We don't know if there's broken bones in there, so you need x-rays. Okay. So we need to get you to hospital and they'll need to put that
1: back in, but we want those x-rays okay, get the hospital to Just drive there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll... Can't get the chopper, mate, to come in. Just joking, mate. Hey, no, you're not that important, mate. Yeah, you I might know. be a rock star, but we're not going to call yeah. a bloody chopper for you. What's point. going
0: on? <laughs> sure. you, you obviously look shattered. Like, were you. Enjoying the show, I've had a couple of friends that have been on it, and a couple that have just filmed it uh, recently. And they, you know, I remember Heath Shaw coming on the radio uh, during the AFL broadcast, yep. and he said, "Hey boys, this is not messing around. This is harder than any preseason I've ever done, and this is a veteran AFL footballer." So, yep. were you enjoying the challenge of it? We'll get to your sporting yep. um, life. You've gone pretty hard in a couple of
1: different sports. Were you enjoying the challenge of it, mate? I loved it. I love that sort of thing. You know, for yeah. me, uh, it was it was super exciting because you were you didn't know what was coming up next. And that's the thing. It was scary. It was as scary as it was exciting for me. Um, you know, we did things that you would never do. Uh, I think probably the well, the first day we got gassed, you know, to do, to do that. And just go in a room where you just can't breathe, your, your, your eyes are stinging, your lungs are stinging, there's just no oxygen there. And it's, um, they're trying to talk to you, they're trying to make me sing. Um, the afternoon we, we go out and we're in a helicopter, uh, you know, going across a ladder. <laughs> to get back in the other side, you're probably 30 meters above the water. It's a long way. Yes. So you've got to really focus on. Um, it's, it's, it is a mental thing as, lo- as well as physical, but you really have to um, take all the fear out of things and, and not focus on that. So, for example, the helicopter is so far up. I didn't look down at all. You're just focusing where you have to go. It was great. I just I think that's really challenging when you're doing that. The other thing for me that was a really, uh, bit. It was a concern at first. Is was the was the you know getting. Um, in the jeep, putting the seatbelt on, being low down under the water.
0: Yes. Is about to be fully submerged as part of a simulated drowning drill.
1: Hold your breath, wait for the knees
0: on the shoulder. Easy. She needs to remain seated for 40 seconds without losing her nerve.
1: Even though, and I, I surf, so I was kind of comfortable about it, but at the same time I'm going what happens if this seatbelt doesn't come off? I checked about three times before I went went under. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what if, you, um, if your boots get caught on something, your laces, or so all these things you've got to think about because you've got to swim out between the seats and out the back window. Mm. Um, and as I was going under, I remember taking a couple of short um, breaths just to sort of get air into my lungs and I, I kind of mistimed it. <laughs> so I went under the water. I was like, oh, jeez. I, tot- <laughs> I totally missed my breath, you know, so... But I was really relaxed, you know, because of the surfing. I think I can sort of stand at the water for a while. And I was just really calm under there and, and got through. But that was, you know, things like that that you don't normally do in normal life that, that challenges you is the is the really... Um, that's the exciting thing. When I finished, you know, that, for example, i just been being really pumped up afterwards going, that was amazing, you know. So what's the next thing? The next challenge is everything was kind of always something you've never done before and, and, and scary. But for me, super exciting and and to know... You know what you would, how you would handle the situation, because when you're watching some of the other guys, it, it's it's harder if you're sort of towards the end, because you're watching everyone, and a lot of people fail these things. You know, there's some of the early mm. tasks in the first four days, because I, I was only on there for four days, and that seemed to be the the tasks that were kind of all the fairly fairly scary things. You know.
0: So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's your left elbow, yeah. Yeah. So how does that go? That's obviously your, you know, where you're moving along the fretboard on your guitar. Yep. That's it. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, it's fine now, yeah. I mean, like I, I can't, it's about probably um, 95% that I can straighten it. I can't fully straighten it yet, but I'll just get there. just have, requires a lot of physio and, you know, a lot of, lot of um, strength work to get it back to where it was. But, um, yeah, like I said, you know, I, I've, I felt bad on the show because when it happened, all I wanted to do was get to Mark and go, look, mate, that wasn't your fault. Mm. That was just, you know, <laughs> it was, um, it was my mistake. And I think he felt pretty bad about it for a while. So especially at the end of the show when we caught up, he was like, I might have felt so bad for such a long time because we didn't talk. You know, I was just taken straight off and that was it, off to the hospital.
0: He's he's a sensitive soul too. Hey, mate, we we talk about so much sport, but a little bit of music at the start. Um, Your EP, The Night, Um, Congratulations on your new music And I've been listening It's been going around in my head And immediately when I listened to Hold Me Steady I thought, now there is a positive song Uh, The way it starts Love, hope, will you please stay Hurt, pain, you take it away I don't think there's been more relevant words To what's been going on You know, It's been um, difficult in New South Wales Obviously you're in Byron It's been a killer down here in Melbourne Love, hope, will you please stay Hurt Take it
1: away. Um, congratulations, because a real positive vibe, and by G, we need a bit of positivity at the moment. Absolutely. I think that, well, you know, the timing for that song was just seemed to be right. Uh, lyrically, everyone was really, um, you know, buzzing on it. It's, it's uh, getting more rotation on, on the radio now, so it's, it's, it's good. Um, uh, you know, it, I think you're going back to the, the lyrics. For me, too, when it's probably my favourite song at the moment of mine that I'm playing, right. because it is such a nice song to sing, it's very positive the Chorus is a massive, uh, massive chorus to sing along to, so it's really, yes, uh, enjoyable to, to sing. Not only because of the, the phrasing and and uh, of the song, but the, the lyrical content of it as well. So it is it's just positive, positive that's very nice to do. I can't wait to do it live, to be honest.
0: Poke around your own house. I'm fascinated with musicians, and put some of your own tunes on. Do you do you go back to some of the old gear and wander around your house and listen to your music or not? Never.
1: Don't you? No. <laughs> no. I I don't know anyone that does that. But if you do, if that's that's embarrassing. No. The only time I think you get so sick of your own songs too, because you know when um, I'm in the process of doing a new EP now. So yes. listening to mixes and 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 uh, you know the mastering's been done. So I'm on the headphones the whole time. You're just playing it over and over and over. You're making little notes of what's not working. You're going back and making changes. So you listen to the song so many times before it comes out. By the time it comes out, I don't want to hear it again, you know. Uh, it's different playing it live, but when you're listening to the song you've recorded and you've listened to it, I don't know, thousands of times, it just kind of gets a bit, you know, too much. So I think you need a break and it's um, probably even a year or two down the track before you want to hear those songs again because you've just listened to it too many times.
0: What about when you're cruising in your car and some Pete Murray Gold pops up on the wireless? Do you change the channel or do you stick around? I, I turn it down.
1: or turn it off. Yeah, do especially you really? yeah, yeah, yeah. If the um, if I've got my kids in the car or you know someone I know, and I, I just turn it off. Yeah, I get a <laughs> bit embarrassed. So, but I mean, it's hard when you're out. You know, that's the other thing when you're out and uh, you know, in a shopping center or something like that, or you know, shopping Woolies or Coles. You know, sometimes it's it's <laughs> like you're in the aisles there and it's playing, so it's kind of like. You know, <laughs> Trying what to hide. It, what, what was
0: the first, can you remember, I have, I've asked a few musicians who have been on this, yep. when you first heard one of your songs on the radio, can you remember that moment? Because I presume at that moment you're lapping it up.
1: You know what, it was, it was a really strange time because I was, uh, I had a, an old combi, still got my old combi. I was living in Melbourne. I went down to Melbourne to make things work and I basically had an independent album that I'd put out and I'd sent it off to Triple J. Uh, it's funny how things work, hey. You know, I was in the car and I remember just... Um, jokingly said, oh, come on, play some Pete Murray, you know. And next minute, Richard Kingsmore came on and said, hey, we've got a new artist coming out. This is, I think this guy's got a bright future, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly my song was playing. I'm going, Whoa. <laughs> Same thing happened, mate. I'm in my car on my own. I turned it down because I thought these guys will, you know, they'll, think it's, they'll know it's me. And like no one knew who I was back then, but I was, just, was so embarrassed I had to turn it down because it's strange.
0: I've got to, um I often ask this on the show to people, Pete, if you could swap jobs with someone, whose job would you like? And my answer, if I was asked that question, oh, I love my job, I'm a sports commentator, it's the best gig going around, but my perfect job would be living on the coast of New South Wales, surfing, all of a sudden being able to play the guitar and sing, cruising from RSL to RSL, doing a gig, getting 500 bucks, a palmer and a beer, getting more waves that day, jumping in McCombi and heading further up the coast. Don't I was shatter- about
1: to say, you, you want my job except well, for the RSL so, clubs. I don't ex-
0: well, uh, you're bigger than RSL clubs <laughs> now, but don't shatter the illusion, is that the Pete Murray life?
1: Yeah, you know, look, it is. Uh, is it? And that's the life that I dreamt up years ago. Um, you know, my dad, he uh, he died at 47, had a heart attack. I was 18 at the time.
0: Right.
1: And I remember just thinking from that moment, you know, he'd worked pretty hard. He was a watchmaker jeweller and he worked uh, really hard in his business to get it up and running and uh, he'd sold it. And him and mum were about to travel around Australia. They bought a caravan, about to take off, and he worked for about 12 months for another guy that just bought the business from him. Uh, Two weeks before they were about to take off, or a month, whatever it was, he had a heart attack, Uh. died. So, and that was a lesson for me. I just went, well, I don't want that to happen to me. I want to be able to enjoy my life. I want to do something that I love doing, uh, that I can travel the world with, that I can live where I want to live. All these things I just said when I was, you know, around that age, this is what I want to do. I didn't know it was going to be music. Music came 10 years later. Wow. So it was a long time, you know, but that was the thing. I I started to think about this and going, what do I want to do? Um, And that's it. So for me, to be here, Byron Bay, this is a a beautiful part of the world. Um, Been here since 2005. I can surf whenever I want to get a lot of time off to spend time with family. And that's the other thing too. Like, you know, I want to make sure that I spend time with my kids. You know, Dad was working a lot and I only just felt, I I had my 18th birthday two months before he died. I felt like that stage I really got to know him. Um, I guess it was a bit old school then. Like you didn't sort of hang out with your, no. your parents too much. And Dad was, you know, like I guess that's what he what he was like. So, th- this, t- you know, uh, for me it's important for me to have a life with my kids and I've done that and I feel great that I've been able to have the time at home uh, to spend time with the kids and to enjoy that. You know, and that's been lifestyle choice, to, to be, you know, just – Happy to be able to not to be the, the 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 greatest musician or the richest musician in the world, just to be to be um, well enough that you can have a career and you can travel the world and you can have time with your kids and your family, and that's the big the biggest thing that makes you happy or makes and me s- happy.
0: And surf and have a in a pot, like it's it sounds ideal to me. It that's sounds right. ideal. Yeah.
1: Hey, let's let's swap.
0: Can we swap comedy Van stories? Yes. Yep. So I was. Uh, this is about you, but. Anyone that owns a combi, it's always great to hear the story. I was coming up through Mexico with a mate and we have been surfing up through Central America and we crossed the border into Arizona. And I'll never forget the, the guys because we had surfboards in a backpack and he's like, yeah. hey, man, there ain't no waves here, man. It was like, no, okay, but we're heading to the coast. So we go to Tucson in Arizona and we bought a 1967 combi van that we drove all the way up the west coast across the Canadian Rockies, eventually sold it, it. Was it
1: decked out to, to sleep in? It was decked out to sleep okay, in. It was yeah. pretty rough. Yeah.
0: Um, it was, like, that six months. Like, I picture that car. We worked as painters in Canada for a while, so we gave it a spray job from white to red. Like I love that. I'm not, I'm not a car man. I've worked in motorsport, yeah. but I'm not a car man. But if I could have that combi back, I sold it to this bloke who got in a back seat when we sold it to him, Pete, and uh, I'd live a pretty sheltered life, and he's like... Right, uh, let's smoke a bone, and I'm like, "What's a bone?" He's like, "It's a joint, man. It's a joint." So I Co- still don't go.
1: Combi talk, you didn't have the lingo going, did you?
0: No, I know, I know. So I said, "Now you have the joint," but that's how you celebrate the purchase. So it's such a beautiful thing, the Combi. Tell me about your Combi van.
1: Yeah, well, look, I I upgraded from a Valiant Ute to the Combi. So now, I had a Valiant a U- Ute a th- is a classic vehicle in the first it place. Is. It was my it was my grandfather's. It got handed wow. it down to me, so I had this. Um, you know, great old car key. My, my, my friend's dad used to call it the car key ghost. It was just this <laughs> beast of a car. And uh, anyway, I used to go to, I started doing some uh, covers gigs early on and I would put all, you know, my guitars and all my gear in the back and, but I always sort of had to, you know, run in, drop the stuff off and then run back out and grab the other stuff and bring it back in. So it wasn't secure. And if it rained, it was always, it would kind of have a chance of getting getting wet. So I thought, I've got to buy a car that's got great security you know, that, that I can that I can maybe even sleep in and, you know, what's this, what's this car that I need that's you know, that will get me around from A to B? And um, I don't know, someone mentioned the Combi, I think, and I was like, wow, it's a great car. You know, and I remember thinking, wow, I'm buying this car, so upgrading from Valiant Ute to a Combi. I don't know if it was upgrade or downgrade at the time, but uh, so I got this and then I could lock the car up. Uh, if I'd had a couple of drinks after the gig, I could sleep in the thing. It was just like it was perfect. It like, I've still got the thing. I bought this back in 19... 19- Ninety six, Wow. And I, I, I bought it off an old guy who he was a, a big lover of it as well. Him and his wife travelled around Australia twice in it. There was one previous owner before him and he, um, when I bought it off him that day, he basically, he, his wife had died um, uh. six months earlier and he said, you know what, um, take the car and leave before you see me cry. And I was like, wow, this uh, is like yeah, I get it. really amazing feeling for this guy. I didn't sort of think too much about it. But the Combi... It is. It's like part of your life. I can't sell this thing, you know, because no. I've done so much in it, travelled so, in so many places and, you know, it's just, it's the kids have grown up in it, the kids love travelling in it too. So, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that if I sold it, I don't think I'd get another one back. And it's in good condition, you know, so pretty good condition. So I just can't do that at the moment, yeah. I remember, Pete,
0: we were in Arizona and we just bought it for $800 US dollars and we got our insurance, we had to do the licence, got our licence yep. in, in, uh, in Arizona and the heater was jammed on and it's summer in yep. Tempe, you know, it's 40 <laughs> know. degrees and the heaters, and my mate, Timmy, who I was travelling with, he said, I'll fix this. He's a mechanical type of things. And he looked in the, in the book and found where the heater box was underneath the car yep. and he took a hammer to it and he banged the shit out of that heater box till it fell off <laughs> and then the heater didn't work anymore. Well done. You, you nailed go. it. But four months later, yep. we're going over the Rockies Cold. It's minus six degrees and we can't operate the heater so we're having to drive the thing in our sleeping bags because oh. he'd knock the heater off.
1: I, yeah, I drove from Melbourne to Adelaide one time for a show with um, with my band we had a trailer. Normally I think it's a six-hour, yep. six-hour drive I think from, from, from Melbourne to Adelaide. This was like 13 hours to get across. <laughs> well, basically any hill we had it was just like slowing down to like 50, you know, trying and to get up this me. hill. Yeah, and freezing <laughs> cold. Like we all just had like basically beanies we <laughs> were rubbed up and it was just so cold. <laughs> And a, fr- a friend of mine actually um, said, I'll hook up the heater, he hooked up the heater up and, and it was just, it was unbelievable how warm this thing was, how much, you know, <laughs> warmth to get from the engine. So um, yeah, it was great, uh, <laughs> but it, it died as well. You know, the, 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 something happened to the heater, it's not working anymore. But, but yeah, they're great cars, you know. Oh, I mean, wow. I, love, I love it to death and it's just, I know this, it's, it's part of my life, you know.
0: More of Pete in a moment. Next up on the Howie Games Artist Series, I reckon you're going to like this episode, a man most known as H.G. Nelson, whose real name is Greg Pickhaven. Now, Greg, alongside John Doyle, who plays the part of rampaging Roy Slaven, have entertained us for near on 40 years with their satirical blend of sports commentary, TV, radio, podcasts, and some really sharp work at the Olympics. Here he comes now into the corner and ready to start, Yang Wei uh, from China, and uh China God, what a place. Incredible gymnastic talent so deep. I think he began uh he began gymnastics in the womb, Roy, this boy. I think so. He's think just feeling the mat here. Feeling the back of the, Ooh. Ooh, the, bat the bat. straight into that. And also little hello boys there. Uh, the hello, hello boys on there. the top oh. of the party date. On yeah. very good work. Tool oh, bag, bag, flat bag. Hands in early. the early controlled. Will he go into a, a hello, boys? Out of that? Yes, he, he is, is. And closes the door and it's me. Now that's Greg Pickhaver and HG Nelson on the Artist Series next Tuesday. Let's get back to Pete. Sport for you, mate. R- reading a, a little bit about you. There's not a great deal about you online, to be honest, which is makes it interesting for me. Athletics and rugby at a pretty serious level. Tell me about your rugby.
1: Yeah, um, well look I was, basically my three sports are swimming athletics and and footy you know so right. when I, I grew up in a small country town called chinchilla naturally all we all we had was swimming and athletics and footy so uh, rugby league out there in in chinchilla yeah uh, and I loved it it was great you know so when I, I went to boarding school in Brisbane at Nudgee College for grade 11 12 famous, and that's when I got famous got into, footy school, yeah, eh? famous rugby school yeah went there and got into rugby. Love um, loved that as well, you know, the, both games, I, I really love them. Uh, so the, I was, I played, um, you know, competitive, I played like first 15 for Nudgee for two years and um, Queensland Schoolboys and um, huh. so I kind of, when I, and then I went back to athletics because athletics was kind of just a passion I had for a long time. I really wanted to compete at the, um, either the Commonwealth Games or the Olympics. And I was running. What distance? 800.
0: Oh, 800. Could you choose a harder event?
1: Well, I used to be a sprinter when I was younger and then I had some Achilles problems, so I kind of lost my speed. I was like a 100 metres uh, runner and then just I think I'd lost the speed, couldn't keep keep up with those guys anymore, and then I uh, went to the um, 800s and I just had the speed. I would just hang in with them and then just uh, had the speed at the end I'd run past and, you know, so... um, you know, the athletics was, was good. So I, I did athletics. I'll come back to athletics in again in a sec. But yeah. I, I went and did an athletics for a while and came back into rugby super fit, you know, with the 800s, eights and fours I would do. So super fit. And then I started playing sevens. And I loved sevens because it was such a free game. You know, you'd just yeah. you, you'd just be going the whole time. And for me, having the fitness where a lot of the other rugby guys didn't have it at that level, uh, I kind of really stood out in the sevens because I just, you know, when everyone got tired, I just keep going. So, and even when my team got tired, they would just kick it, and I'd just be the only, only one that would run through and pick it up and score the try, pretty much. So, um, there was a, there was a chance there in um, off uh, a year after the athletics that I was doing the rugby and um, the chance of getting in the um, in the Australian sevens team to go to Hong Kong. And uh, it's a bit of a funny story. I was living with my sister at the time, and I'd made the um, made like the Queensland side to go and play in this other trial, which they were going to select the Australian side from. There was a fair bit of hype around me on a couple of the um, the selectors. Mark Ella was one. Jeff Miller was another one. Ex Wallabies, yeah, and um, Bob Dwyer was uh, also a selector for that. And so um, Jeff Miller came up after the, the the first trial that I got picked in this this um, Queensland side to go and try that for. And He said, "Look, and I hurt my I hurt my knee the posterior cruciate, which was." Um, uh, difficult, but you can still play. You know, like I probably could have. So I said to Jeff, "Look, um, I've injured my knee. I'm having physio. So look, if if Bob's really serious, and he wants me to, to trial out, and there's a chance of making the, the Australian side, then I'll I'll come. I'll go to the trials. Otherwise, if I don't hear from him, I won't go. I'll just rest up and I'll come back at, at the end of the year, and I'll I'll go again for next year. And oh well, this is kind of like six weeks, I think. But but like I said, I probably could play with a bit of painkiller and, and get it done." Anyway, I didn't hear from him, so I thought oh, I just I just I just pulled out of the team and, and didn't go. Um, and about a week week after I would pulled out, uh, my sister, who I lived with, said, um, "Oh, someone called for you the other day. Oh, about no. A week about a week ago. Oh no!" And I'm like, oh, "Who was that?" She said, "Oh, some guy, um, Bob Dwyer." Oh, come and I'm on. like. <gasps> Please tell me you're joking, please, you're, t- you're joking, are you? And she said, no, yeah, Bob Dwyer, yeah. She sort of wanted to know. He asked how your knee was. She was like, I had no idea. I was like, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I didn't get the information. I kind of pulled out. The whole thing was over and I missed the opportunity and um, that was it. By the end of the year, I came back to play again. I was kind of, you know, fired up and I did my anterior cruciate in the same knee, so it was kind of all over. Um, but it, that's, that's my kind of claim to fame in the rugby world. And, and uh, What's your
0: sister's name?
1: Uh, Nicole, but I call her Coley. Coley's dropped the ball oh. in
0: a major way. And
1: she knows it too, and I haven't ever So I, I went. she I went over years later, and I, um, uh, I think it was the World Cup in two thousand three in France, and the um, the Wallaby uh, team got me to come over there and play some songs for them. So um, <laughs> and I and I met Bob. I hadn't met Bob before, and I was actually I was going. Yeah, look, a long time ago, I um I was. Uh, Telling tell a story, he said, "I remember that story. Yeah, and you didn't, you didn't call, like, oh. mate. Hang on a second. There's, he was like, he was a bit dirty on me. He said, yeah, I got all these raps on you. you didn't even call. It's like so, I wiped you. It's like oh, it's so embarrassing.
0: So, rugby athletics before you get to music, which I didn't realise that you took music up a little bit later, which we'll get to. But what was the grand plan? You're 18 or 19. What's the career sort of planning for Pete Murray at this stage?
1: Um." You know, when I first left school, I was well, dad died and it just threw me. I didn't, I, I kind of I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, I started doing um hotel management course for a while because another mate of mine was doing it and he said, oh, I'm going to do this. And I was like, I really just didn't know what I wanted to do, and so I thought, I'll do that. I did that for six months and I didn't like it. Uh, then um, I got into natural medicine where I really, I loved that you know, it's kind of like I, I could use this for my sport. Um, so I started to think, look, this is where I want to go, this is my career. I was working with a couple of physios, doing some work with them. I was um, working uh, in a gym. So I thought this is great, you know, when I'm kind of finished my career in, in sport, whatever that's going to be, then this is what I want. To, I want to work with sportsmen and women and and um, try and go to, you know, the Commonwealth Games, Olympics in, in these teams and work with these with these guys and that's what I wanted to do. Uh, then I had um, another experience with another mate who Came into my room out of the blue one day, and this is while I was still studying natural medicine. And he said, you know what, mate, I'm going to go get a guitar lesson. I've always wanted to do it. And I've <laughs> never done it, so I'm going to go and do it. And I just thought, I've never thought about music in my life. But that sounds pretty cool. I said, maybe I might do the same. So as it turns out, uh, I borrowed a guitar off a, a, a mate's brother. Uh, and my friend, his name's Charlie. Charlie. So he, he never did. He never took lessons, but he was the reason that I went and had a couple of lessons. He's the reason I got started. So as soon as I picked up this guitar, I'm going, wow, like this is amazing, so much fun, this thing, you know. Like, and so I was just really passionate about this music. And it, t- it took me a long time to kind of get the hang of it, but it was um, it was fun, you know. So it, as it turns out, I, I just kind of um, basically played in my room to no one for about two years until I got to the stage where I could actually play some songs. And Charlie and I were massive fans of Neil Young. So Charlie hadn't seen me for two years. He was studying teaching at the time. He went off and became a teacher. Uh, and then we hooked up again. And I, he, was in, he was at the Gold Coast, I was in Brisbane. He said, he came to town. I said, mate, come over, let's catch up. I've got something to show you. So I came over and we had a, had a couple of beers and I just got his guitar out. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? I said, mate, this is because of you. I started i started doing this. So I, and I played like a couple of Neil Young songs and we were just singing along for the afternoon. He was like, wow, I can't believe what you've done, you know, I said, mate. So that's just- the first time you played in front of anybody? Yep, yep. And, wow. and because he was the guy that got me started, you know. So yeah, I said, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Because of you, this is where I'm at, you know, and, 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 I'm, and I'm loving it, you know, it's fantastic. fantastic. Um, and then uh, huh. six months later, he had an aneurysm and passed away. Ah. And it was like this, um, you know, it was a, a, obviously a devastating time for me. Yes. And, um, I named my first son Charlie after him. And uh, he's the reason that I got started. You know, I, I kind of believe in fate, and I, I believe I was kind of meant to meet him, and he was kind of help, kind of getting me on the path to where I was supposed to be. Um, that's what I believe. So, you know, sad, sad, um, sad times, but um, uh, I've still got great memories of that guy, and you know, and what he did for me.
0: So, Pete, you're talking two years. You'll see that beautiful guitar behind me. Yep. Two years ago, pretty much two years ago, I was like, I've No, nothing about music. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in music. I was consumed with work. What can I do to take my mind off work, learn something new? It's like, oh, I don't have a go at the guitar. And I have a love, 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 hate relationship with that thing. Two years in, I I love it. I love how much of my mind it takes. I hate how bad I am at it. I'm not naturally gifted at all as a musician. Were Were you a... Ricky Ponting, that once you started playing, you were flying, or were you a man, a Justin Langer, that had to work and work and work?
1: Early on, I was a Justin Langer. I think it just took, it doesn't come easy, uh, music, and trying to get your fingers, you know, especially what was I, 20, 21, 22, I think by the time I picked up guitar. So it's, you know, most, most guys that are playing are in their teens, you know, yes. they're young and they're getting stuck into it. So for me, um, It was a really odd thing to do, you know, and to try and get your fingers into these shapes of chords and, you know. So, but look, once I got into it, what I found was natural was my voice. Right. So you could sing. Well, but I didn't know that. But that's what I I felt. That just started to really kick into gear and I I had no idea I had that. And uh, once I started playing for people, everyone's going, mate, like your voice is really great, you know. And so, but I mean, early days, like, you know, learning the guitar, I remember being super excited. I think I was playing like hard of gold, Neil Young, and I knew what the song was. And I had yeah. another friend of mine said, mate, check this out. See if you can guess what the song is and I'm playing it. And he's like, uh, can you play it again? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I'm like in my mind going, this guy, he's got to get this. This is good. You know, play it again. He's like, um, play it again. Like, it's this, Neil young hard of gold, you
0: know. This happens with so, me and my wife. Yep. Every two weeks I'm like, babe, what's this one? She's like, I got no idea what that is. Yep. And then I tell her, she said, like, that doesn't sound anything like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what was your what was your first what was your first paid gig and, and how long into the process was it? Like you said, it's pretty late in life to take something up like that.
1: Yeah, I was 26.
0: So four years later.
1: Yeah, wow. 26, and I had um, the same mate that, that couldn't understand that song, Dave, Dave Webber. Come he, on, Dave. He, he was actually he was very helpful too. He said, no, I came past this place. There's a little bar in, uh, in Brisbane called Dooley's Hotel. And they've got this little, like a little sports bar. It only fits like maybe a hundred people in there. It's a cool little, it's an Irish bar. Cool little bar, he said, it'd be perfect for what you are doing. You should go and try and earn some money. Like I think you're getting good enough. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm quite that level yet. And he's like, well, just, just, you know, go and just check it out and just see what you can do. So I thought I'll just pop in there one day. So I went in there with the guitar. Most guys have like, you know, I think back then there was like, you know, take a CD in and a bit of a resume thing I've played here. And I had no idea. I just rocked up and said, who's the owner? <laughs> and so Jan Dooley uh, was Jan and Tom Dooley owned it. Jan sadly's passed away now, but she was great. She, I am like, oh, um, can I play a few songs for you? And just if you if you like me, I'm just wondering if I can get a gig. And she was great. Um, she said, "Yeah, I'm about to have lunch, so why don't you sit up there, play a few songs, and um, I'll listen and I'll kind of let you know if, if you, you know, if, if you got the gig." So I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So I'm sitting down. I, I played about three songs. And at the end of the third song, she came up and said. You're great. I love you. Fantastic. Can you do, and this was on um, Monday, she said, uh, can you start Friday? And I'm like, uh, yeah, and I was like, yeah, sure. I try to be confident. You know, yeah, sure, I can do that. You know? And she said, all right, see you Friday. You're going to do like uh, 4 four forty-five 45-minute sets. So I'm thinking, holy That's shit. That's a lot of songs. It's a lot of songs. I'm going to have to repeat, do some different versions of certain you know, songs. <laughs> So I was I was panicking all week, and I was trying to learn as many songs as I could. I had to go and get a PA from somewhere, and I was so nervous. When driving in Friday night for this gig, I was excited, but I was just petrified. And um, I got halfway there, and I just stopped the car. The Valiant, the, the car key ghost stopped it, and I just said, "I can't do it." And I turned around and started driving home. I was that nervous, and I went, "Hang on, stop!" Pulled over again. I said, "You've got to do this. You've just got to get this out of the way." So I went in, did the did the gig, and most people at that bar are there to drink and chat. Yeah, you know, so they're not sort of focusing too much on what you're doing. But you know, still to get through that that four sets, forty five minutes was um, was the most terrifying moment for me. You know, I think in my musical career because it was even though I'm playing covers, it was just terrifying that if I made one mistake or you forgot anything, it was just that fear of the people would pick it up. And so for the first three months, I was. Petrified every Friday night, and then after that, I started to get relaxed and, and became, you know, okay with it. The next time I experienced that fear again was when I played my own show, doing my own songs. That was a different level again because at the venue I played yes. at then, the people that were there there's about maybe 30 people, but they were focused. They were there listening to, to original music, and they were focused, and it was dead quiet, and that was terrifying because that is your own stuff, and that's when you're putting it, you're pouring your heart out to your music, and that's where you, you know. Someone can shoot you down and yeah. it's, you're going to take it really hard. Where are in a covers gig. It's like, oh, you know, I don't really like that song. That's not my song, so I don't care, you know.
0: That's the end of Pete Murray Part A. See you on the other side.
1: Listener.